Over the next six weeks, we're going to try together to go on a journey, on a journey together to help us to grow in our spiritual lives, no matter where you are, using different types of habits. Now, we're not going to cover all the spiritual disciplines, but we are going to try to cover some, and today, we're going to talk about a big one, and that is prayer. And we define prayer as just talking and conversation with God. But before we're going to get into today's topic, I do want to spend just a few moments talking about habits in general. I mean, we all have different habits, don't we? I mean, I know, I don't know if you can get, wake up in the morning without a cup of coffee. I know my day does not start right if that isn't exactly in the mug I want with the same process and the same amount that I usually have. Or maybe you're a fingernail biter. Any fingernail biter, don't raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass you, but... You know, like, do you ever find yourself nailing until it hurts? That's probably a good place to stop, okay? So just make sure maybe that's your habit. Or maybe your habit is you pull out your phone, you sit somewhere and you pull out your phone, and two hours later, you don't really know what happened, but time has just passed. That is a habit. Or my wife, I hope she minds doesn't telling me, but her favorite um, habit is actually to play with hair. Right, just to twirl it around her hair, and she then grabs one of our girls' hair and starts doing it with them. She tries with mine, but really doesn't get very far, so she usually stops pretty quickly. But we all have habits in our life, right? I mean, some are good, and some are bad. And so over this next message series, we do want to focus on some of the good habits that help us to grow in our faith. Now, I have a question for you. Um, and this is the question, how many of your daily activities are the results of habits? What do you estimate? So if you think about it, a habit is something that you do without noticing. It automatically happens. You don't really have to actively think about or make a decision. So roughly, what do you think in your mind? Do you have a number of how many are results of habits? Well, I found a study recently that was published by um, neuro, neuroscientists and um, what are they? Cognitive psychologists. Sounds important, so we'll believe them. And it's about 40 to 95% of all the things we do throughout the day are just a matter of habits. So that also means that without us actively thinking about it, about half the things you do every day, you don't make a choice. You don't say, I want to do this or I want to do that. It just happens because of our habits. That's why habits are so important and we want to take this series to focus on them. And like I said, sometimes they are good and sometimes they are bad. But as I was preparing for this message, I came a few that I actually was surprised um, by the result, if this was a good or a bad habit. So I thought we can run through those together. How about this one? Chewing gum. You think chewing gum is a good habit or a bad habit? I'm sure there's good sides of both, but I actually found a study that tells us that um, Health Magazine put it out that says if you have a pack of gum in your pocket or your purse, and it, especially if it's sugar-free and minty, um, then it helps us to suppress our appetite, improves our mental health, and provides us with a healthy confidence boost. Chewing gum, who would have known? How about this one? I know I'm guilty of this. First thing in the morning, you wake up, and you lean over, and you immediately reach to your phone, pull it up, and start going through messages and notifications and emails. I mean, you would think that it makes us more productive people, right? I mean, you're jumping the day in the deep end. You automatically start looking through stuff and get right into your day. Well, 
to my surprise, too, I found that um, Doctors on Demands reported that actually if you do that, your stress level immediately goes up first thing in the morning. And throughout the day, you you're more easily overwhelmed, and you're not as productive throughout the day if this is one of your habits. Now, this one I know can get me into a lot of trouble. How about chocolate? Anybody likes chocolate, right? So is this a good or a bad habit to eat chocolate? Well, I had to find one study that was showing that actually chocolate can be healthy for you, especially if it's dark chocolate and you don't eat it, and you eat it in moderation. So usually not more than two dark chocolate bars a month. Actually helps you to fight cancer and um, prevents your risk of blood clots. Blood clots. So if you're a chocoholic or pretty much, I hope I'm not offending you, but pretty much probably every woman in this place, you're welcome. Well, one last one, because, and I really, the reason why I put it on there is because I am guilty of it, fidgeting. Anybody likes to fidget? Well, my wife knows me so well, and when she bought me a wedding ring, it's actually like a spinning ring. It spins by itself because she knows I can't get a minute through it without having something in my hand or playing with something. Uh, but maybe your fidgeting habit is like tapping your, your, your hand on um, your table or clicking a pen. I know your coworkers love that when you do that. Well, if it's fidgeting, is that a good or a bad habit? Well, if you need to justify it to your coworker, how about this? You can burn up to 350 excess calories by simply fidgeting throughout the day to help you keep off those excess pounds. Sounds good? I'll take it. Bottom line, though, is we all have habits. We use them every day, most likely unconsciously, and they're dictating a large part of our lives. And so that's why habits are also an incredible opportunity for you and for me. Because if we get some of the healthy habits more into our lives, well, it's changing it us. It changes it for us without us later having to think about it. And I know all of us have areas in our life where we want to see some improvement. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship or your marriage. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it is that you want to be a Christ follower and you want to become more and more like Jesus. Well, whatever it is, there's a way that we can help you, and we want to explore that together. And maybe you've already tried something, and it didn't work, and you're ready to give up. Well, if that's you, then give me one more chance to see if we can help you get some of those habits into your life to help you with um, implementing those positive changes. And so in your sermon notes that I highlighted into introduction, I actually put a couple of books in there that talk about either de helping, de helping development, is that a word? Well, developing habits or um, spiritual growth and how spiritual disciplines affect our life. So if you want to study more at home, feel free to pick up one of those books. I found them very, very beneficial. But in short, I don't want to bore you with it too much, but I do want to talk about a little bit, just a few tips and tricks on how we can all form healthy habits. Just some general ground rules that over the next few weeks as we're talking about habits, keep those in mind. And the first one is that you need to focus on one. You ever found yourself January 1st and you're all motivated and saying, okay, I'm going to start my life and I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to fix my relationships. I'm going to start getting my finances in order. I'm going to do all these things and January 2nd comes around and you've forgotten all of them. I've done that. I admit it. But it's because we're not focusing on one area. We're trying to do too many things. We get overwhelmed, and then we just quit altogether. So as we talk about forming healthy habits, make sure that you just focus on one area 
in your life. And as you focus on that one area in your life, make sure that you start small, right? I mean, if you want to run a marathon, don't try to do that on the first day. I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fail. You're going to be disappointed in yourself. You're going to beat yourself up over it, and you're never going to try again. And so as we talk about habits, try to look at where you are now and try to do just a little bit more. And if you never run, just try to run around the block one time and continue to do that regularly and increase that more and more so eventually you're going to be able to run that marathon. And so as we talk through the different disciplines, make sure that you keep that in mind too. Don't try to commit too much right from the beginning. Another thing to focus on when we talk about habits is to be patient. I know we're not living in a culture where patience is really a virtue, but it's going to take time. In fact, actually, it's going to take about 30 to 60 days of competitive, uh, repetitive um, repeat of all the new things we're trying to implement to form and create a new habit in your life. So make sure you're patient in that process and not try to rush it. Fourth point is you need to be accountable to somebody because just think about it. If you want to go work out more, it's much more harder to press that snooze button when the alarm goes off and you're ready to head out when you know that somebody else is waiting at the gym for you to work out with you, right? And so the same is true for all of our habits. If we tell somebody else, we're much more likely to succeed, and even more so if we work with somebody else to help us achieve those goals. And then lastly, it's make it a keystone habit. And let me explain what a keystone habit is. Habital scientists say that a keystone habit is one area of your life that affects many others. And so all the spiritual disciplines we're going to talk through over the series, being it confession or being it meditating on scripture or fasting or celebration, are all habits, or prayer for that matter, are all habits that have a positive effect on all of our other areas of our lives. And so spiritual disciplines are no magical formula. There's no thing that I can tell you that's going to fix it all. It's going to take your commitment as a Christ follower to become more like him each and every day, to grow more like him, following some of those principles. But now let's make a shift, and let's talk a little bit more about prayer. Prayer is something really good, right? And actually, Pew Research says that about 55% of all Americans, not just Christians, all Americans pray on about a daily basis. What I thought was interesting is that actually the same research showed that 12% of all atheists an atheist is somebody that doesn't believe that God exists, also pray on a regular basis. Now, I'm not sure who they're praying to, but they still pray and they still believe in the power of prayer. Actually, Penn Gillett is one of the most outspoken atheists of our time, and he recently in an interview shared that he prays before going to bed every night. So in short, almost everybody prays and prayer is helpful and it's good for you. Now, I've heard other people talk about prayer before in messages, and I admit it, the first thing I get is a feeling of shame and guilt. The reason is because I've never met anybody that actually said, oh, my prayer life is so great that I've got it. I'm not worried about it. Actually, in fact, if anything, I pray too much. I probably should cut down a little bit more. It doesn't happen. And I want to acknowledge this right now in front of us because I don't want this to be a shame and guilt message for you. For me, this is kind of the planet fitness version of a judgment-free zone when it comes to prayer. And so let me just get this out right now. Dear God, I am sorry 
that I don't pray enough. I know you want me to, and I know I should, but it just doesn't happen right now. And so, God, I pray as we're going into this message and continue to talk about prayer today, that you help us to identify those messages inside of us, those habits that we can develop each day to pray more to you, to talk to you, to listen and to hear from you, God. So help us this morning and let that be our objective together. But we thank you and love you, God. Amen. The other thing you need to know about your prayer life is not only that it's not a shame or a guilt thing, but prayer life is also like a roller coaster at times. So when we talk about prayer, I don't want you to be disappointed when sometimes things are going really great and you feel like, man, every prayer is getting answered and before I even say amen, something happens and it's, and it's done. And that's great and I celebrate with you. But know that in every prayer life, there's also going to be the valleys of prayers where we feel like, man, I'm praying and I do what I can, but it seems like they're hitting the ceiling and they're not even being heard. And again, I want you to know that that is completely normal in our spiritual life. And even the Bible talks about that all the time. And so if any of those feelings or thoughts come into your minds, please do me the favor and dismiss them right away. Because they are, again, just a way for the, for the devil to try to trick us and try to keep us away from growing in our prayer life. Because we feel like, oh, we can't do it anyway, and we just throw in the towel. So don't let him win in that regard. But then, as I was preparing for this message, I actually asked our amazing communications team to put out a message to all of you through social media, Facebook, and Twitter, and Instagram, and all the different ways we communicate, to ask you the question of, well, tell me about your prayer life. What are some things that you're struggling with when it comes to prayer? What are some questions you have when it comes to the topic of prayer? And we had some really good replies. I mean, questions like, well, what happens to the other person if I pray for them? Or things like, well, if God already knows everything, do I even need to pray? I think it's a valid question to ask. Or questions like, well, what prayers are really worthy of God? Can I pray for my dog? Can I pray for other things that aren't as prevalent? Or do I just wait for big things to happen? Well, I don't have time to cover and address all of those questions this week. But I did make a point because I thought there were such good questions to use our Beyond Devotional weekend, um, messages over this next week. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, if you're signed up for our weekly devotional that usually follow the message, I'm going to address one question of those in each of those messages. And so if you've been wrestling with some of those questions, just do me a favor, pull out that Connect card, just put the word devotional on it, put your email address on um, that card as well, drop them in the giving box, and we'll make sure that you get those answers as well, and that you can follow along if these are questions that you have had in your prayer life. But I do want to take time this morning to address a few things when it comes to prayer. And the reason why I address those are because I found that those are the main reasons why people stop praying. And so these are the three topics I want to look at with you together this morning. First question is, well, how do I even know that prayer works? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Well, and if, if it works, so how do I know and how does God actually answer our prayers? And then are there some things maybe that can stop or hinder our prayers? And I want to make sure we openly talk about those as well. And so I know that a lot of you are struggling with that very first question. How do I know that prayer works? Because maybe you feel disappointed and you've been deeply hurt by God. I know there's things that I've prayed in my life that were all good things for maybe family members or friends or coworkers or 
anybody in my life that something I needed and I wanted to be changed, but it seemed like God was not listening. He was not answering the way I wanted to, and I was really struggling with that. And so that's why I wanted to spend some time this morning going through the different ways that God answers prayers, and if prayer even works, because it doesn't work, there's no point in praying, right? Well, if you have those feelings and if you found yourself in that situation before, I do want you to know that you're also in great company. Because the Apostle Paul, so this is probably a spiritual hero of most of us, and he wrote most of the New Testament. He actually struggled with the same issue. In Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 8, we read this. So, to keep from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, which was probably like some sort of a health issue. A messenger from Satan determined me and keep me from becoming proud. Well, three times I asked the Lord and I begged the Lord to remove it. And then he goes on to say that God did not take it away. Actually, the answer he got was, let my grace be enough for you. Or we're looking at the Psalms, and I love the Psalms because they're so real and so easy to understand. So this is what Psalm 88 verse 13 says. It says, why? Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Why are you not listening to me? Why does it feel like you are not there? But there are also some reasons why I believe that prayer works. And I've seen it over and over in my life. And as Christ followers, one of those reasons simply is because Jesus was all about prayer. If you read in the New Testament and you follow the works of Jesus, it's actually interesting. He did hardly anything without praying first. And you will read over and over in the stories of of the accounts of his life that he went either alone to pray or he prayed with his disciples or he prayed before large crowds. So if Jesus, the Son of God, makes prayer a priority, we as Christ followers, people that want to be like Christ, also need to make prayer a priority. And actually it got to the point where Jesus' disciples, so these were his best friends, they asked him only one question throughout this whole time that they were with him about that they wanted to learn something from him. They didn't ask, hey, Jesus, can you teach us about walking on water? Or, hey, Jesus, can you tell me about how to feed, you know, 5,000 people with just some bread and some fish? They didn't even ask, hey, Jesus, how do I revive the dead and bring them back to life? No, they just had one question. In Luke 11, verse 1 says this. It says, once again, Jesus was in a certain place and he was praying. And as he finished, one of his disciples came up to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples. So it's clear that Jesus himself believed in the power of prayer. But he didn't only believe in the power of prayer. He actually also gave us promises, things that he left behind for us to remember in regards when it comes to prayer. And so we read in Matthew 7, Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the doors will be open for you. For everyone who asks will receive and everyone who seeks will find. And everyone who knocks, their door will be open. So in these verses, Jesus clearly makes it, makes it clear to us that, man, not only do he believes in prayer, but he says, man, if we pray, something happens. There is a response. There is an answer. But in those verses, he doesn't stop there. He actually introduces a new analogy that I love to think about when it comes 
to prayer. And this is what it says in verse 9 going forward is, You parents, well, if you ask your child for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, will you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, the sinful, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give those good gifts to those who ask? So Jesus compares us to children. He's the good Father, the Father that loves us, that cares for us, that wants to protect us. But he said, man, just ask and I will answer. And so why wouldn't a loving God not answer our requests if we ask him for it? The third reason why I believe that prayer works is because of personal experiences. And I've had many, many answered prayers over my lifetime. One of my favorite things, though, one of my favorite stories when it comes to answered prayer has to do with my daughter, uh, Chloe. And she was about eight years old at the time. She's now a teenager. But there was a time in her life when she really struggled with prayer. Because in her mind, she couldn't understand how God that created the universe and did all things actually would care enough about her own little insignificant prayers. And she really wrestled with it over and over and had a hard time. And so as good parents, we try to come up with different ideas. Okay, how can we help this little girl in her age understand how prayer works and that God really listens? And so one thing we tried was we gave her a prayer journal. And we said, instead of just praying, I know I'm forgetful all the time. I pray for something, and I don't even wait for God to answer. I just move on and um, forget that he actually answered it later and say thank you. But we wanted her to understand that. And so we asked her to write down all the prayers every day. Just spend a few moments, write down in your prayer journal what you prayed for today. So then a week or two or a month later, we could go back and say, well, which prayer did God actually answer? And she was amazed about how many times he actually answered the prayer, or in this case, said yes. But there was one particular evening, I'll never forget it. She was in her room. We didn't know what she was doing. And this is what she wrote. Let me write, um, read it for you. Dear God, please take care of me because my lungs and my breathing show you that I am crying. This was about not knowing and understanding God and if he was really listening. But you know, there's this little glass of water on my nightstand. And if it's, it's empty right now, but man, if you fill it up in the morning, I know that you are truly listening to my prayers. And little did she know, it actually turned out that my wife and I didn't know what she was doing, but next thing she knows, as soon as she put the period at the end of that sentence, I walk in the door, I grab the glass, I fill it up, I put it back on your desk, and I exit the room. And she was absolutely floored. I mean, we can have a theological debate if it's okay to ask God to do certain things and put pressure on him or give him ultimatums, but in this moment, this little eight-year-old girl knew that God was with her and that he was listening to her prayers. And yeah, on the screen, you see the letter um, that she wrote. And actually, she goes then on to say, well, thank you, God, for doing it. That was hilarious. Me and my papa, which is me, both cracked up. And you can see it. That was awesome. Sincerely, Chloe. So... This is just one of the many stories I could tell you, but I love this one because God cares about our prayers. He cares about a little eight-year-old girl struggling with understanding how prayer works, and he cares about your prayers as well. And so I know that you also, some of you, will have great stories about how God answered prayer over your lifetime. 
And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you, continue to share those. Maybe it's over lunch today, or maybe it's at dinner, or sometime this week. Share with others about how God has answered your personal prayers, because he's working all within us in our congregation all the time. But there may be somebody that you don't know that is struggling with exactly that issue. Maybe somebody that has never prayed, and I don't even know if I want to start because, you know, it may be just wasted time. Well, they need to hear those stories. Or maybe it's somebody who's been disappointed and they need that encouragement to know because they may feel like, hey, God has never answered my prayers, and so they need to hear from you. So I want to encourage you to share those with others. But now that we talked about that Jesus obviously lived a life, a prayer life, he encouraged us, he gave us promises about prayer, and we have our own experiences that we can draw from when we're not sure if prayer works. But why do we still sometimes feel like prayers is not, our prayers are not being answered and they hit the ceiling and nothing happens? Well, it's because maybe we're looking at prayer the wrong way. And I admit it, Chloe made that mistake sometimes. Because sometimes we think of prayer as a wending machine, right? Or, you know, so you put the prayer in and you press a button and your answer comes out. That's not how prayer works. And just like every good prayer, every good parent, in the analogy we talked about earlier, God tells us that, man, you know, even I love my daughter Grace, okay? She is eight years old and I love her to death and she loves Wendy's, okay? And she would go to Wendy's every day, and just about every day, she asked to go to Wendy's to eat. Now, I would probably be a bad parent if I would tell her yes every day, right? Not sure that's the habit I want to develop in her life. But it's not because I don't care about her or because I don't listen. It's because I care and I love her. I want to protect her. And I don't, does that mean I'm going to grant every wish? And the same is true when it comes to our prayer life. And so there's actually three ways that God answers our prayers. The first one is the answer yes, right? I mean, we all love yeses in our lives. Yes, prayer is answered. Great. I get what I want. Sometimes, though, Jesus also answers the word no. And he tells us that, yep, no, I'm sorry. This is not the right, time. This is not the right answer for your prayer. doesn't mean that your prayer didn't work. Or maybe, and a lot of times we forget that answer as well, it's the answer, wait. It says, man, the timing is not right, and you have to wait. I can tell you, actually, before I came to the chapel and got the role I have right now, I went through a really hard time because I was in a job where I, I admitted I didn't like it. I, in fact, I came home most of the days, and I complained to my wife about it. But I knew I had to take this job because I needed to provide for my family, and I come from a day where I've worked in professional sports for many years, and I love always what I was doing, and I, the purpose was missing in the job that I had. And it took years for God, and I prayed often about, man, God, you got to do something in my life. But the answer was always wait, or most of the time I didn't get an answer. I didn't know if the situation would ever change. But eventually, after persistency, after knocking on God's door and pleading, he, in this situation, had turned it around, and I got to have the job, and I love every minute of what I do today. But sometimes our prayers are not answered, and the answer is either because it's the answer no or it's the answer wait. So this means that God is always at work. So just because our prayers aren't working, it doesn't mean that prayer, that prayer doesn't work. In fact, actually, Jesus makes us this promise. He says, my Father is always working 
and so am I. So if you feel like prayer doesn't work, it is maybe just not the way you know. So this means that even when you pray for a long time about something and there's no actual trace of something changing, your prayers are still working. If the opposite happens of what you've prayed for, well, guess what? Your, sta- your prayers still worked. Or in those moments when we feel so distant from God, our prayers are working. And let's make this really real. Our prayers still worked when you didn't get the job. Our prayers still worked when your mom died of cancer. Your prayers still worked when you were in this car crash a few years ago that you're still suffering from today. Because the purpose of prayer is much bigger than just the result. Prayer is designed to draw us closer to God. And as soon as you take the time to pray and you look to him and recognize that there are certain things we can't do and I can't fix and I need God, that's when all your prayers have already worked. And so your goals are already accomplished when that's the case because it leads us to a closer relationship with Jesus. So when God seems silent, it doesn't mean that he is absent. But there's also a few reasons why sometimes prayer doesn't work. And this is not for you to feel guilty about because a lot of times this is the case. But there's a few incidences when prayer doesn't work and it's something that we have to do. And so I want to spend just a moment to talk through those. The first one seems really, really simple, but it's something we often forget. It's actually when you don't pray. I have people counseling all the time in my office. They're like, man, my prayers don't work, and I don't know what's wrong, and maybe I'm folding my hands wrong, or I don't close my eyes all the way. And I ask them the question of saying, well, how many times have you actually prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? And all of a sudden, you can see them getting a little uncomfortable in their seat, and they're like, well, I thought about it, and I worried about it, and I told somebody else about it, but actually, I never actually sat down and prayed. So one way that prayer doesn't work is because we're not praying. There's another reason why prayer doesn't work, and and this is just another verse here. You don't have because you don't receive. But there's another reason why prayer is not working, and that is because we are not listening to the answer. Well, maybe sometimes I know I have been guilty of that. There are some reasons for it because maybe I don't take the time to listen. I just want to get my prayers out, but I never take time to listen Or just simply because I don't like the answer, and so I just try to ignore it, or I just completely ignore Jesus. And so that's why the second reason why maybe your prayers aren't working is because we're not listening. But there's also a third reason why prayers sometimes are being hindered or stopped at all, and that is unrepented sin in our lives. And so actually, Isaiah 59, verse 1 and verse 2 say this. He says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is it your, his ear too deaf to hear your call. But it's because of your sins that you've been cut off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. And so this is not talking about just some general sins. We all are sinners and we all sin every day. But this talks about some deliberate rebellion about God. Something even unrelated to the air of our lives when we're saying, no, God, I know I should do this, but I'm just not going to do that. And so this may be another area why your prayers aren't being listened to. is because we are distance ourselves and decide not to listen to God in those moments. 
And so the easiest thing for, to overcome that is actually to confess. And Pastor Todd will be here next week to talk about the power of confession and why confession is so important. And I can promise you one thing. One prayer that Jesus and God will always listen to is we repent our sins. If we ask him for forgiveness for the things we've done wrong, even if you've never prayed in your life before, I can promise you he will always listen and answer that prayer. And so as we talked about today, prayer is working. We just need, because Jesus lived it. He lived a prayerful life. Prayer is working because he promised that it will. And prayer is also working because we can tell about it. We've seen it over and over again in our lives. But remember that Jesus' prayers answers either yes, no, or wait. And maybe just make sure that you remove all of those things that may hinder your prayers. But as we go, I wanted to wrap up our time today and just ask you one simple question. And the simple question is, well, what is one way or habit or behavior that you want to do differently in your life walking away from here? You know, if you're a practical person and you think here and think, okay, yeah, prayer is important, well, take a step. And I don't know what that step is for you. Maybe you've never prayed, and that step is simply to take five minutes out of your day in the morning before you get up and say, I'm going to commit that time to prayer. Maybe you've been praying for a long time, and maybe you need five more minutes than you've prayed before. Maybe you're an outdoor person and you love to be in nature. Well, why don't you take a prayer walk once a week? Maybe it's starting a prayer journal. Maybe your next step is, if you're a structured person like me, Pastor Todd introduced me to this idea of praying for a certain area in my life every day. So Mondays, for example, pray for family. Tuesdays, pray for coworkers. Wednesdays, pray for missionaries around the world, and so on and so forth. Maybe that's a new habit that you can develop to help you in your prayer life. Maybe you don't really know what to pray for and you want to pray with others. Well, consider joining our prayer team. There's people praying in the congregation for all of our needs, either via email um, that goes out usually on Mondays and we pray for the needs of the weekend, or there's people actually praying right now and before the service for you right now. And if you want to be part of that team, all you need to do is just write prayer team on your connect card, put it in the giving box, and we'll make sure that we connect you and get you involved so you can pray with others. Or maybe you're forgetful. And maybe you just need to make the commitment to say that every time I'm actually going to say, hey, I'm praying for you, I actually put my phone down for a minute and pray for that person and that specific need. Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know where God has you and what your next step is, but I want you to take that step. And like we said at the beginning, accountability is an important part when it comes to prayer. And so in your worship programs, you found a postcard that looks like this. And there's plenty of pens in the back. What I want you to do after the service is simply take a moment and put down on this postcard the one step in your prayer life that you want to commit to. And you can take this card and put it on your fridge so you remember and you see it every day so you don't forget to skip a day later on. Or you can actually fill it out, put your address on the back, and in a week from now, our team and the front desk is going to mail you back this card to remind you about the commitment that you have done today. But don't leave without taking a step. That's why we're here for That's why the chapel exists, because we want to help others to take one step closer to God and to each other. And if you need a reward to develop a new habit, well, don't forget, we still have those two chocolate bars of dark chocolate every week that we get to eat. All right, but I've talked a lot about prayer. Pastor Todd next week is going to be with us, talk about confession. 
But because I've talked so much about prayer, well, why don't I close us in a word of prayer, and then you are dismissed. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your power. Thank you that prayer works and that we can trust. And God, help us not to be discouraged by the times prayer didn't work, but help us to start this new habit of committing to pray again in a new way because prayer changes things. And so, God, as we go from this place, as we fill out those cards on our way out or maybe at home, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to develop these good habits and that we get to grow closer to you and that we're continuing to develop the spiritual disciplines that we want to be more like you each day. I thank you for each and every one here and for their experiences with prayers. And I pray, Lord, that as we go into this week, that you will go with us and you'll follow us step by step and be with us wherever you have us. We thank you and we love you. Amen.